Leaning Toward Wisdom, April 21st, 2022. The website is leaningtowardwisdom.com, Modern Tales of an Ancient Pursuit. My name is Randy Cantrell. Greetings and welcome inside the Yellow Studio. Zooming out. The process of figuring it out. Let's talk about it next. I registered the domain zoomingout.com on May 22nd, 2004. It had nothing to do with photography or my video conferencing platform of choice, Zoom. No, instead it was focused on our attempt, our attempt to see a bigger picture as a means of seeing the finer details. There was never a website at that address. In fact, I still own that domain. I will confess it has been for sale at a reasonably high price for a while. I'm not anxious to sell it. I'm not anxious to get rid of it, but you know, come on. A person can only use so many domain names and I have had way too many for too long. I did purge a number of domains. I don't know how many, about two years ago, probably am due for another purging. Hey, I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad you clicked play. You can find the website at leaning toward Zooming out was a phrase that I first wrote down in the early, early 2004. So by the time you get to May, I registered the name. I don't know why I wrote it down. I don't remember. My best recall is people were likely talking about narrowing in on things, you know, and it, it's kind of that whole inability to see the forest for the trees. And that was something that I had battled in others. <laughs> well, let's make this present tense. It is something that I have battled in others all of my life. Uh, I am a very detail-oriented person. I am mostly, in my life, have been frustrated and currently am continuing to be frustrated by people who, who can get intensely focused on the bark on a tree, but they can't see anything larger. Now, I'm equally frustrated by people who can't even see the forest, because, you know, they just, they see something even bigger than that. It was my experience with that former type person, you know, the person that just can get intensely focused on the bark on one segment of one tree that caused me to craft a sentence that I have lived by professionally for much of my life. 
And the sentence is this, if everything is important, then nothing is important. Now I was a teenager who grew up hearing a boss bark at us that everything was important. And I knew that that was just a lie. I knew that if that's the case, then there are no priorities. I mean, if everything is equally important, then that necessarily means that nothing is more important than anything else. As a result, nothing's important. I mean, come on, if we're not able to prioritize and acknowledge that at this very moment, something, I don't know what, but something is more important than anything else, then we're going to chase every tangent that comes along diluted into thinking that it all matters equally. And there are people who absolutely live their life this way. It drives me nuts. I've just never found any situation in life professionally or personally where it's true that everything is important. I, I know people who everything is urgent. They just, they just live in this constant state of urgency. Uh, It's just, I don't live that way, but even being dragged into the lives of people who do, it's exhausting. I can't imagine it. I can't imagine how it is firsthand. I've spent countless hours trying to help myself and others look at the bigger puzzle that we are all trying to put together. My personal conviction and my personal experience have proven that knowing that we are attempting to assemble some, you know, thousand piece puzzle of a seascape or whatever it may be, it can help us better figure out where any specific piece may fit. I mean, knowing that it's a seascape kind of sort of helps, you know, and that's largely how we may be able to best figure things out. And that includes figuring ourselves out by seeing a bigger picture in the mid to late eighties. There was a PhD consultant in San Francisco. Her name was Jan Halpern. Jan wrote a book. I don't know her personally, uh, Ms. Halpern. She wrote a book based on the research that she had done about successful men. The book was entitled quiet desperation the truth about successful men. Well, I've still got my copy. I'll, I'll insert a photograph of it so that you can, I can prove it. And I think about this book fairly often. In fact, I think about it so much and so frequently that I will pick it up fairly regularly to go back through various sections of the book. I have it right here in my hands. I mean, the pages, (laughs) like rush limbaugh you know my and my i have it right here in my previously nicotine stained hands well my hands are not nicotine stained i'm i'm not a smoker the pages of this book however they are quite yellowed now the subtitle well actually the title quite desperate is taken from a quote by henry david thoreau the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation on page 49 is a section that is entitled questioning the eternal truths. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a little clickbaity, although it was written before the internet and before clicks were even a thing, but she does make some grand points. Here's what she writes. There are many intellectual and emotional barriers that must be broken through reevaluated and discarded before you can become comfortable in your own skin. 
I suggest you begin to question the messages and premises you have been raised with that prevent you from knowing your private self. By challenging these quote-unquote eternal truths, many have come to reject the notion that men don't feel. Moreover, doing so has helped them to alleviate the haunting emptiness and confusion that plagued their moments of solitude. Now, keep in mind, the book was written I don't know. What's the copyright on this book? I should know this. The research was done, you know, in the mid to mid to late eighties, if not 1988 is the copyright of the date of my particular copy of the book. The research began in 1977. Now we need to make some allowance here because while the author's research was specifically on successful men, much of it has a broader application. So the research project begins in 1977. It winds up involving some 4,000 men who operated within leadership roles of fortune 500 companies. So these are, these are guys who are at the helm or close to the top of the helm of the biggest companies on the planet. And even the author acknowledges in the preface of the book that it could apply to some women but she focused on men. Now I'm not so interested in the details of her research for this particular episode. And I'm not so much interested for this particular episode, the fact that it was solely about men because I'm coming at this in true zooming out fashion, looking at a bigger, broader picture of things. I mean, I'm looking at us, all of us as humans, I'm going to insert an appearance that Matt Walsh of Daily Wire, he appeared on the Dr. Phil show. I mean, here we are in 19, here we are in 2022 at a place that I never thought we would be a place where people can't or are afraid to even define what it is to be a woman. So I'm putting, I'm going to embed this, go to the website, go to leaningtowardwisdom.com, go to the episode for April 21st, zooming out, click play, and you will see Matt Walsh's appearance on the Dr. Phil show. I mean, we have, we are now at a place folks where people feel pressured to insert pronouns to which they identify. Well, folks, come on. We have met the enemy and he is us. We have lost our collective minds in bending to the pressures of abhorrent and aberrant behavior. Immorality is now an acceptable lifestyle choice. We will raise millions of dollars to stop animal shelters from killing. And yet we will abort about a million babies a year in America. That's according to 2014 data when there was a total of 926, 240 abortions in the U S I couldn't find any data beyond 2014. I likely just didn't try hard enough. It doesn't matter. It's an enormous number and likely significantly higher than that now. And we think little of it because, well, it's a matter of selfish convenience. And if you think I've gone to preaching, well, it's my podcast. (laughs) I'll preach if I want to listen. I don't mention all of these things for political wrangling, 
But I do mention them to point out that such things are impacting us deeply, impacting us. I mean, after all, if we don't know whether or not our pronoun is he or she, and if we don't know if we're a man or a woman, then it stands to good reason that we are completely lost and without a compass or a flashlight, hopelessly, desperately lost. And that's today. That's not in the late 70s when Jan, who, by the way, was a woman, is a woman, did her work about men. I mean, do you suppose things have gotten better or worse? Oh, yes, Virginia, they've grown much, much worse. And and the quiet desperation, you know, the whole, yeah, boys don't cry kind of a thing, which, by the way, even though I was born in the late 50s, I don't know. I, I, I wasn't raised that way. I've gone on record. My wife and I have been married over 44 years. We've been a couple for 47. Well, I promise you, she has seen me cry a whole lot more than I've ever seen her cry. I mean, it's not a competition, but, and I'm not a cry baby, but, oh, I can be moved to tears rather easily. And frankly, I just, uh, come on in keeping with the theme of the podcast leaning toward, I just kind of lean into it. You know, I mean, it, it is what it is, but the quiet desperation is, I think still mostly quiet with the exception of a few, you know, there's a few, well, okay. There's more than a few who live out loud. I mean, I've got a podcast, I've got a number of podcasts, but I, I still, I, I, I still am more reserved. I still am a sober minded person. I, I still am largely private. You and I both know why this whole thing started. This whole thing started so I could record some things. I was watching, you know, this couple down in Laurel, Mississippi, and they've got this, this rehab show on HGTV. Uh, is it hometown? I think that's what it is. I like it. I like them. They're a very likable young couple. And they were, they were doing some work on some place there in town. And a friend of her grandmother came by. They were rehabbing a place that her grandmother and this woman and a few other girls happened to live in when they were all single and dating the boys that they would end up marrying. And it showed these, these old pictures. And it was really cool, really, really cool. And she was lamenting that her grandmother could no longer speak. She couldn't communicate by speaking. And there you have it. It is a compelling reason why I began this podcast while I could speak, while I could say some things, while I could kind of pass on some things. I'd love to tell you that I was thinking about you when I started it, but I wasn't, I was thinking about my kids. And at the time I didn't have grandkids, but I'm thinking about them now. And you're here for the ride and I appreciate it. I really, really appreciate it. But for me, it wasn't okay. Let's be some big star. I mean, podcasting has not been the road to wealth for me. That's suffice to say, but it has been a really good exercise in self-examination. And there's a strange thing about self-examination is that it isn't necessarily self-centered but the result, hopefully, 
the result is hopefully a bit self-centered, but not entirely, you know, it's just this weird kind of a deal. I mean, what's the point of self-examination? What's the point of improving ourselves? What's the point of getting better? What's the point of leaning toward wisdom? And why should we even be interested in any of this stuff? Well, I'll tell you because the alternative isn't very good because in a world where Matt Walsh can get on national television or international television and try to have a conversation, a reasonable conversation with people that want to pick what they identify as no matter how they were born and Matt issues the challenge to just give me the definition of a woman and they can't, (laughs) I mean, there's your alternative. There's your alternative. When you lose your way, when you lose your compass, you lose your flashlight, you lose any bearings on what is right and what is wrong. Zooming out is about understanding. And understanding is all about the clear comprehension of risks and rewards. It's largely about consequences, both good and bad. It's about our ability to properly comprehend our choices ahead of time. You know my definition. If you've listened at all, my definition of wisdom is getting it right in real time. Getting it right in real time. Well, that's not easy. It's doable, but it ain't easy. And that's what zooming out is all about. Figuring out the best course of action before we move. I mean, it beats the impulsive actions that have to be corrected. And come on, we're all going to be guilty of that plenty of times in our life because we've all done it. We're all going to continue to do it. We do something without properly thinking it through only to have to go back and fix it. I raised my kids telling them, my wife and I both did telling them you're going to make mistakes. We want to make sure to help you not make a mistake from which you cannot recover. Because we're all going to mess up. Hopefully, when we mess up, it isn't so catastrophic that we can't recover. But why should we make that our way of life? We, we shouldn't make being impulsive and not thinking it through and not weighing the consequences that should not be the way that we normally operate. I've got a graphic that I created the actor who played in the series, Sherlock Holmes. It was a really great series, by the way, there's a Sherlock Holmes line that I think is really terrific and it's befitting the podcast. It is easy to be wise after the event. Well, that's true. 2020 hindsight and all that. You know, when I was a young parent, I thought if we can train our children to have a strong conscience based on God, then we'll be giving our kids the best leg up possible. I thought that as a young father. As I've aged and now that I'm a grandfather, my mind is even more made up that my wife and I were correct in that goal. And it's what we did. We leaned really hard into the work of training our children to have a conscience based on our faith to do the right thing. It is the work of zooming out. It is the work of helping our children. It is the work of helping anybody else 
train their thoughts to think soberly about their behavior before they engage in it. Now, of course, it begins with me. The work is personal to each of us. We have to concentrate on our own ability to understand, to clearly comprehend what we think, how we think, our choices and our actions. And those of us that are dedicated to the art of zooming out, we are devoted to the pursuit and the practice of wisdom. We want to behave wisely. We want to live the most profitable lives that we can profitable in the sense that we are responsible. We are helpful people. We are committed to always doing the right thing. I'm going to insert a graphic. It, it is a, it's, it's a graphic that I use in my work email signature. You got one of those? Sure. We've all got them. Well, I've got this little graphic. It's a little 200 by 200 pixel graphic. It is a business philosophy that I wrote over 33 years ago. And nothing has changed except my resolve to live up to it. And here's what it says. Always be honest, be competent, give more, make it right. And that is zooming out. too short for you the episode i mean <laughs> it's one of those weeks a busy week a lot going on i wish i had more time there was an old old movie it wasn't that good of a movie but there's a there's a few lines that stuck out it was a movie that had gary Busey in it it was called carney it also had Robbie Robertson, founder of the band. There was some Carney character in it who uttered a line, if I had all day, I'd be an astronaut. Gary Boosie said, well, we don't have all day and you're not an astronaut. <laughs> Comes to mind when I tell people I don't have, I don't have enough time. But if I had all day, well, I'd be an astronaut. But I don't have all day, so I'm not an astronaut. Well, that's the least of it. I don't have the brain power to be an astronaut either. But I do have the brain power to be a podcaster. And I appreciate you listening to this one. Leaning Toward Wisdom, Modern Tales of an Ancient Pursuit. LeaningTowardWisdom.com My name is Randy Cantrell. Greetings and welcome inside the Yellow Studio. <laughs>